Welcome to the Rhodes Church Podcast. We are so excited to connect with you. We hope that this podcast builds your faith and that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. For those of you who I may not know or have not yet had the pleasure of meeting, my name is Matt Woodruff. I'm married to my wife, Katie. I'm the daddy to our daughter, Eden, and our son, Elisha. Some of you may not know this, but I'm actually also the son-in-law of Steve and Melody Nelson. Uh, You may know Steve better as Billy Graham Jr. (laughs) Or if you don't know him as that, maybe you just know him as Melody's husband. But either way, um, even if you don't know them, I want you to know that we are so very thankful for them in our life and what they mean to us. And man, I'll tell you the most important thing is I'm a child and follower of the risen King, Jesus Christ. We're so very thankful for what the Lord's doing here at the Rhodes Church, and we're blessed to be a part of that. I'd like to take a moment and honor our pastors, Pastor Chad and Pastor Don. Come on, man, we love them so much. We're so thankful for them, as well as our campus pastor, Lewis and Mona DeVue, right here in North City, Kevin and Amy Gammon in Mount Carmel, and my man, BJ, and his wife, Ashley, in Carlinville. Gosh, we're so blessed. Man, we're so blessed to have them lead us in the way that they do, and I'm so very thankful for their friendship. Uh, I'll say this again. Um, I'm thankful to call Pastor my friend. And just to be led by such a, a servant leader, a servant leader, a humble and powerful man of God, and I'm thankful that he believes in me and he trusts me with this platform today. I'm excited to have all the ladies back in the house from the Ignited Conference last weekend. Man, they were in Dawsonville, Georgia, Christ Fellowship Church. Man, my friend Pastor Todd and his wife, Dr. Karen, are amazing. We're so, we're so um, just excited for what the Holy Spirit's doing there, what they're doing there and then through us here. And Man, we're so thankful for that. Let's pray before we start. Father, we love you. Jesus, we love you so much. We're so thankful for this time we can gather corporately and worship you. We're thankful that you're moving among us. That when you come, you don't just come to wait, Lord. You come to work. And we're thankful for that. Father, I pray that you use me today. I pray that you use me for just your glory. That they see none of me, Lord, and all of you. None of me, Jesus, just all of you. Hide me behind your cross. Amen. Amen. Here at the Rhodes Church, we love our Bible. So if you have your Bible today, turn with me to the book of Mark, chapter 5. Man, it's cool. I did do that twice today. PC gets that every week. It's neat. We'll be looking at verse 25 through 34. Uh, for a select two of you, that's page number 1,192. <laughs> if you don't know what that means, don't worry about it. Just hold your place there, and we'll get into that shortly. But I want to first start by telling you a little bit of our story. Uh, I'm going to go fast and just see how I manage that clock on the wall because I didn't do so well first time. But here we go. Okay. I was raised Southern Baptist. I'm so thankful for that Bible baseline that it taught me. It was very strict, as I recall. It's much different than what we, what we have here today. For example, if you lifted your hands in worship, back then they'd be more likely to call on you just to ask a question as opposed to think you were worshiping your Lord. Of course, I'm kidding, sort of. Um, I am thankful, though, for my upbringing and what it built inside of me. When asking Holy Spirit what he wanted me to talk about today... I knew almost instantly he was calling me to tell my story. I was pretty agreeable with that because, listen, I'm good at telling my story, right? 
when I sat down and I started to put it all together and when I began working the pieces and what I, what I knew all along is there was a part that I wasn't going to share with you that I had no intention on telling you. <laughs> Holy Spirit, he had a different idea. You see, I was ready to just give you the call to Southern Illinois story where we're, we're seeking Jesus, guys, and he's here. Amen? We've made some bold changes in what some may call extreme obedience. And we will talk about some of that. But I want to give you the story about the real me, the broken me, the addicted me, the cut open, honest story, and what that looks like. The story about deliverance and redemption. I've been awakened every morning at 3 and 4 a.m. over the last 10 days. Thank you, Pastor Chad Everett, for that. It's a lot of weight. But Saturday morning, January 21st, I woke up at 3.27 a.m. And there were two words that just were resounding in my spirit. <sighs> the one of addiction and redemption. And those were confirming words to me to tell my story to you. I don't often talk about this part of my life. Unless you know me and you know me well, you'd have no idea. But let me give you a little bit of background. You see... When I was eight years old, my parents divorced. I have no memory, even to this day, of them living in the same house together. I prayed a prayer at 10 years old. A nice man came to my mother's home. I'm sure he was a pastor at the church we used to attend. And I put my faith in 30 words or less without any understanding of what that really meant. And I stood on that claim of salvation for a lot of years. I was a high school dropout at barely 17. Shortly after that, I left home. I was hanging out with the wrong group of people, man. I was addicted. I was homeless. I was running from any meaningful relationship, and I was for sure running from the Lord. Methamphetamine was my drug of choice. Really, though, nothing was off limits. At some point, using became dealing, and man, off to the races I went. When I was 22 years old, I had more than 30 members of a drug task force kick in my front door. They held me to the floor, and I watched them cut open my furniture and tear down my drywall. And in that moment, I had a decision to make. You see, I was either going to die or end up in prison or I had to get clean. It's only by the grace of Jesus that I can stand here today. Amen. After some time getting sober, I went to work at a local car dealership where I knew a guy, and after much conversation, come on, I need that. You know I do. I forgot this. He knows I'm going to cry. Sorry. Sorry. They were upset about this first service. After much conversation, he gave me a chance. I'd given my heart back to Jesus. I'll never forget when that happened. I was in the basement of my grandparents' home at 2563 North Kentucky Avenue in Evansville, Indiana. I was watching the St. Louis Cardinals, and I believe the Lord spoke to me through his team. I'm just kidding. Go Cardinals. But he was speaking to me, actually, in that moment. But I wasn't just sitting. I was in the floor weeping. My uncle, who is also a pastor, was upstairs. 
He was there visiting his parents at the time. And he came down to check on me. That night we prayed right there in that old basement and I gave my life to Jesus Christ. And I'll never forget that moment. It was a bit later down the road that I had met a girl and very quickly became married. We were attending a church in Evansville. And I was very, very involved there. And at the same time, I was rising very quickly in my company that I worked for, and I was given the opportunity to move to Tampa, Florida. Through my church in Evansville, I was connected with a church in Tampa and, and began to, to, to push in there. And at some point later down the road, I was called to be the inner city, uh, I'm sorry, the inner city um, missions pastor for a very, very big church there. We had a really successful mo uh, ministry. We called it motel ministry. Essentially, we were just ministering to the broken and homeless people in that community. And we would put them in contact with employers or rehab facilities and try to, try to create access for them to be rehabilitated and give their life back to the Lord. Um, man, I really thought I was the man. My ministry was good. But guys... When you have things in the wrong order, it doesn't always work out. My marriage imploded. And so I ended back up in Evansville, navigating through a divorce that drug out over multiple years. I was back at a car dealership where I didn't really want to be. And I was alone, and I was confused, and I was angry at God. Over some time, years, I settled back into that new role. And it was really in that season where I got to meet the love of my life, my wife, Kate. I'm so thankful for her. In a lot of ways, she saved me from myself and from a lot of things. Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I'm thankful how she chases after her Lord. I'm thankful how closely she walks with Jesus. I'm thankful for the relationship we've built over time with Steve and Nellie. The entire Nelson family, Betty's here today. I'm thankful that they love us and they love our children. And guys, listen, you heard me refer some moments ago to Steve as Billy Graham Jr. And while that's funny and true, it's a lot of pressure for a guy like me who has a story like mine when your father-in-law was the director of North American Crusades for Billy Graham. This is really the first time I've officially spoken publicly in this type of setting since my time in Florida. For that matter, it's the first time publicly I've shared my story. I did it again. Sorry. Thank you. 
so much has happened. Gosh, so much has happened since that time. So I'll spare you all of that. But these past years have been the most joyous of my life. We can fast forward a little, a lot actually, to about three years ago. My wife Katie and I were regular attenders at our local church in our hometown of Westfield, Indiana. I'm still in the automotive industry. I'm, I'm really more in the finance industry. My office is there in Indy, right, out, right outside of Indy and Carmel. And man, we were checking the box. We were excited for social hour every week. The biggest discussion after church wasn't about the message or anything the Lord was doing. It's like, hey guys, where do you want to go for lunch? That's the only thing that mattered. Once a week, we dusted off our Bible. We picked it up from the same place we sat it down at the last Sunday. We were just living our life. You see, I've fallen away from the examples in my previous years. The examples that were set out before me. I wasn't leading in my home like I knew I should have been. I wasn't spending time with the Lord like I knew I should have been. Nothing I was doing was pleasing to him. We were contributing. We had lots of friends. And really, if I had to call it anything, I'd say for me, it was more social and networking. That's where our story begins. It was March 13th, 2020. We'd just been informed due to the pandemic, the church was closing. On March 15th, we had our first virtual service, alone together, together alone. I would ever lie right from the devil that was. I wasn't really interested in watching that service, but I did. And at the same time, over the next few months, we continued watching services from around the country at other churches. As time went on and quarantine continued, we had become more and more aware of the need to be in church. And on June 14th of 2020, Katie and Eden came right here to the roads to visit Stephen Melody. The sermon titled that Sunday was Living in Liberty. When Katie arrived back home, we knew almost instantly that it was time for us to get back in the room. And we decided that we couldn't go back to that original church because they were still closed from the pandemic anyway. And so on June 21st, it was our first Sunday at our new church in Indianapolis. We were steadily involved there over the next six months. Well, also, we were tuning in right here to the roads periodically. And then it happened. I got this phone call. It was June 8th, 2020, 2021. It was, it's funny. It was mid-morning. I was in my office, and uh, my phone rings, and it's Katie, my wife. And I said, hey, hey, babe, what's up? Guys, let me tell you, this is the only thing she said to me. She said, I just talked to my dad. I'm taking Eden. I'm going to his house, and I don't have time to explain this to you. Oh, you guys heard my story, right? Like, and in that moment, I'm like, what have I done? Wait a second, I can change. Hold on. I had no idea what was happening. Oh, and listen, I know that if I don't know, I'm not supposed to ask. And if I ask, I should have already known. Guys, that's free advice. There's no charge for that. Oh. But once she was on the road, she started to explain to me about that first night of the encounter service. And what happened here was Steve and Melody and Steve and his waiting, which is a miracle in and of itself, and the prayer language and 
Oh my gosh, if you haven't seen the testimony of Stephen Melody Nelson, it's on the Rhodes app or the YouTube channel and go watch it. It's powerful. So here goes my pregnant wife and daughter heading right here to North City for night two. I was able to watch that message that night as it was live streamed. I sat in my living room floor and I just became so intrigued and confused. But something inside me was stirring. We continued attending our new local church to seek out and continued to seek out more information about what was happening and what had happened from that night at Encounter. And again, we found ourselves simultaneously turning in every Sunday to watch the roads. When August 21 rolled around, we headed back here to Norris City. Pastor Marty Derricott brought the word. And we were, we felt so compelled that when we went back to Westfield, we left our big box church full of fireworks and production. And we really had no idea what the Lord was asking us to do. Other than we knew for sure he was telling us to buy a home in Carmine. I called Steve, Billy Graham, and I said, Billy. I didn't. I said, Steve. I said, Katie and I want to buy a house in Carmi. Guys, I'm pretty sure he thought I'd lost it. He's like, you want to do what? Guys, people buy second homes on the beach. They buy second homes in the mountains. They don't buy second homes in Carmi. What? So here we are, Christmas, Christmas Eve, Eve, actually. We had no idea what we were about to do when it came to attending church because we had left our church and we didn't really know what to do, where we were going to go. We were in Indy. The original church that we had left that closed from COVID had a Christmas Eve service that night, and we just decided to go. To be clear, I had no intention of really going back there ever. But, you know, Holy Spirit, he had a different idea again. And I remember going home after that night of seeing our friends and being in that place and telling Katie, I just feel the Lord calling us back there. And I didn't know why. So we met with the staff there, and we were all friends. We knew them. But we began to tell them about how on fire we were for Jesus and how prayer was the catalyst. And they loved it. They loved us. Man, we began meeting and talking about how to new, implement new ideas, and it was amazing. January 1st, 2022, the Third Street listing went live, and Katie and I wanted to go see it immediately. The very next afternoon, we got to look at that house. We made an offer that day, and by February 25th, threw out some things we had closed, and it was ours. We were so excited, man. We had such ideas for that place. We were going to bring all the people we'd been telling about what was happening here with us, and they could stay, and it would be a house of ministry. And a few came, and they did. But on March 17, 2021, we had another encounter service. And that, guys, was the most pivotal one yet. Because Katie and I were baptized together that night. And I will never forget. Walking into this baptismal right behind us with Devane Prince and Jared Mitchell. <sighs> Tabitha Costa. And the first thing they said to us when we walked in the water is, where do you pastor? <laughs> <laughs> 
in my, my mind, I'm like, those aren't the three questions they're supposed to ask. <laughs> but I'm not a pastor. What are you talking about? And Holy Spirit began to move in that water and light a fire on the inside of us. And they begin to prophesy into our life. And I'm so thankful for each of you. That night we said we are going to give him our yes no matter what the cost. We went back to Westfield with a vision of starting a corporate prayer service because, guys, how could I not? And after much discussion, we were met with, well, guys, prayer is cool and it's probably good for you, but we're not going to do that here. You see, corporate prayer wasn't something they were interested in hosting and they basically said, you know, if you want to pray, it's fine. Here's the key to the building. Shut up and go away. And so we did. Every morning, starting on March 30th, 2022, Katie and I would wake our children up. And we would go to that empty church and we would sit in that sanctuary and we would pray alone. We would pray for fire to fall in our church. We would pray for fire to fall in our leaders and for them to want to join us. They never did. For months, Katie and I prayed in that room. During that same time, we'd started a Bible study in our home that was gaining a lot of traction. We utilized the sermon series, Preparing a Dwelling Place, from Pastor Chad. We built 19 weeks of curriculum around that. And man, we were on fire. The group in our home was on fire. We were having church right in our living room. And slowly we began to ask Holy Spirit to be released from that situation in our other church and what he wanted us to do. And he began speaking to us about becoming part of the E-Roads family and hosting church right there in our living room. Man, we had a full-on Jerry Maguire moment. We're leaving! Who's coming? <laughs> Nobody. <laughs> Nobody's coming. Except for one couple. They came. They were excited. And they were on fire. And I... I remember feeling alone in that season, but thankful for what the Lord had for us next. So we were going to do it, man. That was it. June 12, 2022. We were going to have our first gathering as the E-Roads family Westfield. Now this whole time, we've been coming back and forth to Norris City and to Indianapolis and to Norris City and to Indianapolis and to Norris City and to Indianapolis and over and over. Eden was baptized here in that time we were waiting on the date to come and our, amen, and our, our children were dedicated here. And as that date approached, we became more and more excited. So there we were, June 12th, 2022. Guess what? Nobody came. There we were. Not even the couple that originally left with us originally. And I sat and I watched Holy Spirit wreck this room. Amen. I was confused and I just sat watching my wife weep on our couch with her head under a blanket, thinking, God, I've missed it. What have we done? Like, but it was in that moment that we decided to never miss a Sunday, another Sunday right here in this room in North City. We began to transition our life here. We've lost friends, we've lost family. People who were close to us, 
said, you're harming your children? And the one question they all had is, what are you doing? What are you doing? Church, listen to me. I have the same answer every time. What would you not do to be in the room when Jesus is manifesting? I'm not encouraging anybody to buy a house here. Not that it's a bad place. I, don't, <laughs> I didn't mean that. I bought a house here. Stop it. I'm not encouraging anybody to make extreme decisions like I've made. But I am encouraging you to do this, church. When you know where Jesus is, go there. Go there, church. If you see obedience and urgency go hand in hand. Come with me, Mark chapter 5, 25 through 34. We're going to talk about the woman with the issue of blood. Now, a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years, and it suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better and rather grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I only may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Immediately, the fountain of blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched me? But the disciples said to him, you see these multitudes of people thronging you? You said, bro, who touched me? He didn't say bro. He looked around to see her and who had done this thing, but the woman fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Let's talk about her faith for a minute. My goodness, could you imagine? Could you imagine being cast out, not a member of society, not seen with any value, but you knew that you could get to Jesus and the crowd of people pouring in on him and she's looking and she's looking and she could have said, man, this, I can't do that. You know what she did? She got on her hands and knees and she crawled through that crowd. Unclean! 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 And she reached out. By faith, and touched the hem of his garment. Guys, this was a major offense. This sort of offense was punishable by Death! Death! Jesus said, your faith has made you well. Come on, church, listen to me. Faith requires a measure of action. Faith forces your life to look different. The humble will do whatever it takes to be where the Lord is manifesting himself. There's something powerful, guys, about getting to Jesus. There's something powerful about sacrifice. Now is the time, church. Quickly turn with me. Matthew chapter 14. Verses 13 through 21. I'm about to tell it all right now. When Jesus heard it, he departed from there by boat to a deserted place by himself. 
But when the multitudes heard it, they followed him on foot from the cities. And when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude, and he was moved with compassion for them and healed the sick. When it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, this is a deserted place and the hour is already late. Send the multitudes away that they may go into the villages and buy themselves food. But Jesus said to them, they don't need to go. You give them something to eat. And they said to him, we have only five loaves and two fish. And he said, bring them here, boys. Then he commanded the multitudes to sit down on the grass. And he took five loaves and he took two fish and looking up to heaven, he blessed and he broke those. And he gave the loaves to the disciples and his disciples gave them to the multitudes. So they all ate and they were all filled and they look up. They took up the 12 baskets full of the fragments that remained. Now those who had eaten were about 5,000 men besides the women and children. Church, we must have an outward focused heart of Christ. You see, when Jesus fed the 5,000, do you know what had just happened? John was just beheaded. His friend. Some say his family. I don't know. And the Bible says he withdrew privately by boat. And when he landed, there were so many people around him that he spent the day healing the sick. And when the disciples said, hey, Jesus, you got to get these guys out of here. It's a deserted place. They got to go eat. He said, no, no, I got it. Tell them to sit down. And he took the five loaves and he took the two fish. And we know because we just read that story what happened. You see, he had every right to mourn in that moment. But he chose to focus outwardly, an outward focused love, guys. If you study the life of Jesus, what you'll see is that he never had a moment and never had a season that was just about himself. He never had a season where he said, oh, man, I just need a me time, some me time, a self-care day. I can't function. I'm just going to stay home. It didn't work like that for him. It was an outward-focused love, church, an outward-focused heart of Christ. Listen to me. Showing up is not the sacrifice. Showing up every time in lieu of something else is the sacrifice. It's nothing but your sold-out desire to worship, to pray, to die daily to everything in this world and give it all freely to our King. Philippians 4, 12, 13. This is not in the slides. Just go with me. I know what it means to lack, and I know what it means to experience overwhelming abundance, for I'm trained in the secret of overcoming all things, whether in fullness or in hunger, and I find that the strength of Christ's explosive power infuses me to conquer every difficulty. Now is the time, church. Now is the time. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to give, please visit us at theroads.church. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch our latest sermons.